morning, America. Uh, from Belfast, Northern Ireland, my name's Paul McAree, and I'm here standing in for my good friend, Forella Di Maria. And Forella tells me that I'm talking to farmers doing the early milk round and postmen, and maybe maybe party folks coming back from a late night out. Maybe your Christmas do was already. But um, I'm in Belfast, in Belfast today, we have a typical Advent Irish weather, which is damp, cold, rain, and windy. And it gets, if you've ever been over here or lived over here, you'll know that it's getting dark at 3.30 in the afternoon or 4 o'clock, and you think, my, oh, my, I should have emigrated when I was young. But, uh, but then again, I, I lived in Canada, and I could have been there with six months of, of a big freeze in the winter, or Minnesota. So, uh, but down there in Louisiana, I trust you have a lovely, beautiful morning, and I pray that it's warm, and you're all set for Advent. So today, I'm going to be talking about uh, Advent in Ireland and our preparations for Advent. I'm going to be talking with uh, Bernie Smith, Bernie Smith, uh, many will know in America as the premium, premier uh, director of Precious Life Ireland, Northern Ireland. And Bernie's going to give us a kind of an update of what's been happening over here, all things pro-life, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And uh, hopefully later on in the show, we'll be joined by Patrick McChrystal of Human Life International, and Patrick uh, has started a wonderful initiative in Ireland called the Men's Rosary. And last Saturday, we were in downtown Belfast, about 150, 200 men kneeling down in the public square in the middle of Belfast, rosary in hand, praying for Ireland, praying for the conversion of Ireland, praying uh, for protection against all of this ideology being imported into Ireland that, you know, as everywhere else is threefold. One is an attack on God's plan from the beginning for marriage and family and human sexuality. Number two is an attack on the least of these, the unborn. And number three is an attack on the very faith of the Irish with these new precepts of this new ideology of inclusivity and uh, of the kind of a Marxist, everything competing against everything else and victimhood, and which apparently trumps the Ten Commandments, even in our Catholic schools very often. So we're going to be talking hopefully with Patrick towards the end of today's program. And, um, and later on, we're also going to talk about something that happened uh, to me at Mass this Sunday. I was at Mass, and as we, you know, Novus Odo and everything was fine, and then they started singing this hymn. And many of you might know it. Turn to me, O man, and be saved, for I am the Lord your God. But they changed the language, apparently, to make it more inclusive. So instead of singing, turn to me, O man, and be saved, we were singing, turn to me, Oh, turn and be saved. And I'm thinking, what's going on? And then they started singing uh, that song, and I will raise him up, I will raise him up, and I will raise him up on the last day. But instead of singing that, they're singing, 
And I will raise you up. I will raise you. I'm thinking, what's going on? Are women too stupid to know that when we talk about mankind, that we mean both men and women? And we're, we're changing the language, the very language of songs that we sing at mass. And, uh, and one of the big giveaways with, with that, if you're ever, if you're ever at mass and the creed and fathers leading us in the creed. Now the creed, the Nicene creed is like 1500 years old and more. And it was really took a took a while to get this right. So uh, it's actually in the rubrics that you do not change the creed at mass. You do not change the creed, but very often they change the creed at mass for bowing to this kind of, this inclusive language. And it goes like this: We would say, um, uh, "Where is it? Where is it? I'll have to look it up." Uh, for us men and for our salvation. You know that line in the creed, for us men and for our salvation. And then Father says, for us and for our salvation. Because the poor gals don't want to be left out, you see, because the Nicene Creed is just for men, you see. It's, it's ridiculous. And really what it's based on is this kind of uh, notion of uh, radical uh, femininity or feminism that says, well, you know, God made a mistake, you know, making them male and female. Um, you know, we have to be all the same and equal, da, 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 da. And of course, we should always be equal when it comes to, you know, a job or wages or whatever it is. And we, we the, the, the feminist, the true feminist, the feminist as described himself as John Paul II would be talking about issues like that. But now we have, it's sort of gone mad. And it's, and it's entered into our very literature where we uh, are trying to be also, also inclusive. And even translations of the Bible and even Catholic translations of the Bible where it plainly says in the original Hebrew and Greek when Paul's addressing the Corinthians or the Ephesians, he says, brothers and sisters, or he says, brothers, da, 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 brothers, this and that. And of course, he's talking to the whole community, but now we, we have to sort of twist it and sort of say, we're people of God. And people go, man, oh man, what is going on? And um, it's, it's a little bit like this. We, ha we have a little joke in Ireland, and it's you go to the beach, and there's this poor, dead, radical feminist on the beach, and she's dead. And above her is this sign, and it says, Beware, man-eating shark. I mean, give us a break. The poor feminist didn't know that the man-eating shark also also had an appetite for women. You know, it's just it just becomes ridiculous. And, um, and it's certainly in wrongdoing to go with everybody, da da da, etc., etc., but not with the, the affirming language that we have in our English language. And our language of faith, which is as we as we men and women are made in the image and likeness of God, well, we're, we image God as uh, theology of the body, as John Paul II would say, we image God as the man, as, as in the tr triune God, the, the the man, the woman coming together, and then out of love comes the the child, comes the Holy Spirit.
So this, this poetry that's built into our very being is imaging God, and we shouldn't be diminishing it. We should be sort of affirming it, affirming it. And it reminds me of a story that um, one of my heroes, I have to say, Father Benedict Rochelle of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And many of you will remember Father Benedict, who was one of the key uh, hosts on EWTN for years. And Father Benedict uh, founded the Franciscan Friars, uh, serving the poorest of the poor in the Bronx, where he was from, and they were the spiritual directors of Mother Teresa. And Father Benedict says he, he, he he was in this parish in America, given this mission. And anyway, this religious sister came over to him, you know, dressed in her civvies, and she says, Father, um, uh, during this Mass, we're going to uh, be kind of inclusive. So we've actually changed the creed, and here's the text. And Father says, well, thank you, sister, but I, I'm sorry, but it's the Nicene Creed, and, and I'm not allowed to to change it. You know, and oh, okay, Father, okay. But anyway, so Father's sitting uh, during communion. He's sitting on the altar, and out comes this middle-aged lady in a leotard, probably probably a little too tight round her waist. But anyway, so she starts to do this liturgical dance uh, across the altar. And poor father's got his head down. What do we have here? And then at a certain moment, the poor critter slips and goes right on her derriere on her rear end. And Father Benedict says, I swear I heard laughter coming from the tabernacle. <laughs> so these things become a little bit ridiculous after a while with inclusive language. So if you have any any uh, ideas about inclusive language, I'm on the chat here, which is crusadechannel.com slash chat. And by the way, if you want to call in, it's 844-527-8723. And just to remind you that this is Florella's show, Florella Di Maria. I'm Paul McAree, standing in for Farella, and I'm speaking to you live on a wet, damp Irish morning in downtown Belfast. And I'm going to be with you for the show, and I think we're going to hand over to Mike uh, towards the end of the show. So um, coming back to our, in, our wonderful inclusive language. Now, we have other language in the church that talks about uh, all of the, the sort of changing of language. And for example, we'll hear even in church documents these days, keywords, and you'll find them all over the place. One of them is inclusivity. We must be inclusive. Another one is um, journeying with people or uh, accompanying people. And really, it would be great for somebody to bring out a dictionary as defining what these things actually mean. Because there was a document recently, I have to say, came out following a certain meeting in, 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 in Rome. And it was full of this language. And under the banner of inclusivity, it named a whole bunch of kind of uh, marginalized groups. And top of the list, of course, is women, that, that we need to be more inclusive. And another one was... Um, Refugees, you know, fair enough. Uh, another one was LGBT plus minus ex exclamation mark and other variations of the same. 
So it, it talked about inclusivity, but, but you know what was strange, what was left out of that list? At least two things, one of them major, particularly here in Ireland and in America. It left out the voiceless unborn children. No word, no word from them with regard to being left out and not hearing uh, a representation from the least of these. And of course, as Mother Teresa says at her uh, Nobel Prize winning uh, in 1978 or 79, she said, the greatest threat to world peace is abortion. And in Ireland, very sadly, and we're going to hear about this later from Bernie, uh, in the last 10 years, Ireland, unfortunately, became the first world, first country in the world by popular vote to vote to uh, to kill our unborn children. But we'll hear about that very sadly later on. So inclusivity apparently doesn't include the, the unborn in that list. Uh, it has to be said, neither did it include uh, our, our Catholic traditionalist friends uh, weren't included on that list. So very often inclusivity is kind of more defined by excluding. I'll tell you a story. A friend of mine in Dublin, and uh, Paddy Monaghan, and Paddy, Paddy's a great man for ecumenism. And he got all the, the Protestant churches, the Catholic church in Dublin, and they wanted to have a float, a Christian float, in the St. Patrick's Day celebrations in Dublin. Uh, this is the year before last. So they made an application. And the answer came back, and the answer was, was, went like this. Uh, I'm so sorry, but this year we want to be more inclusive. And so, unfortunately, uh, your group doesn't really come into that with regard to our floats and various things. And obviously, and very sadly, the St. Patrick's Day celebrations is, is more akin perhaps to a gay parade these days uh, in Dublin. So I thought it was ironic that in Ireland, in Catholic, so-called Catholic Ireland, the powers that be in the St. Patrick's Day parade more preferred an image of Ireland that talked about an American kind of comedic version of Ireland or a British musical version of Ireland of Paddy drunk with the pig and the shillelagh and the leprechaun rather than the Christian civilization that has been Ireland for 2,000 years, almost 2,000, excuse me, almost 1,500 years St. Patrick. And we've forgotten a sense of who we are. We're not speaking to our children and our children's children about what God has done in, in our country and the terrible purgatory that we came through in our country for the faith during the, the penal times and during the great hunger, the guts of 400 years. We're not apparently reminding our children of who they are and the blood that runs in their veins that paid a terrible price to stay true to the faith for that time. When uh, Henry VIII's Reformation took root in England and Scotland and Wales, it did not take root in Ireland because of the, the our forebears, my forebears, yours, because many of you will have Irish blood running in your veins. And they paid a terrible price to have fidelity uh, to the faith. And that fidelity, you know, was twofold. 
It was fidelity to the two pillars, as we would say, to Our Lady. Often they couldn't read. They um, they were people of the land. So they're, they're, the Bible was their rosary, was their rosary. And you better believe it, when they prayed the rosary, they were very present, much more than we are today. They didn't have all the distractions that we have of today. So the, 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 the rosary, the, the incarnation, the passion and death, the promise of eternal life. This was the Bible of the Irish. And the other thing that really, I think, kept the Irish Catholic was Patrick. Patrick and the Irish imagination is extraordinary and synonymous with what it means to be Irish. Um, for example, in England, you would have had um, Augustine of Canterbury, but he wasn't, didn't nearly have the charisma of Patrick. And Patrick fell in love with the Irish. And of course, he was persecuted. He was taken as a slave and then came back uh, very bravely and told them, told them about, you know that God that made the heavens and the earth that you apparently worship? Let me tell you about him. He became a man and he loves you so much he died for you on the cross. This was, this was Patrick. The Irish love Patrick and couldn't turn their back on the faith of Patrick. So this is the, the dreadful uh, thing that we have everywhere of twisting the beautiful language that we have, uh, the English language, uh, to be to, to kind of exercise it from everything that is kind of male and female and that we have to somehow be inclusive. And to do that in the liturgy, to do that in our hymn. And by the way, there's a hymnal that comes out of, I believe, Chicago. And it's all over the place in Ireland, uh, a hymn book. It's called, look it up, it's called uh, Hymns Old and New. And if you look up your favorite hymns in there, Old and New, they've changed the pronouns to make it inclusive. And really, it is so pathetic, as we say. And really what it is saying, it's condescending to women and girls because somehow they're too stupid to know that mankind means both men and women. So uh, any comments on that? Hopefully, I'll get them coming up here on my chat. Now, um, this is, I'm new to this system that we have here on the Crusade channel. So... Um, if, if you're not hearing me responding to your messages, it's because somehow I failed to, to log in here. But it says here, comments, so I'm hopefully going to hear from you. Or if you wish to call me, uh, call me on uh, 844-527-8723. Uh, the chat room is crusadechannel.com slash chat. So uh, please let me know how you're doing how your Advent's going, and my name's Paul Macquarie. I'm a good man from Belfast, uh, born in Belfast, born and reared, came through the troubles, and I'm standing in for Florella Di Maria, and Florella's off today. And by the way, I was talking to her last night, and she's got this dose of the cold going around, and uh, she sounded perhaps more like Rod Stewart than she did herself, you know, that kind of way. So I'm standing in for Florella today. My pleasure to do so. 
to accompany you through this uh, early morning. And I believe it's uh, about half past five over there. Am I right? Half five in the morning. Half past 11 here in, in, in wet, windy, cold Belfast, which is very typical of our Advent weather here, as I say. And, um, and I'm with you for the next couple hours or so, or well, I guess the next hour and a half or so, uh, when Mike Church is going to join you in the second half. Um, just to remind you, uh, after the break, I'm hoping to have my good friend, Bernie Smith. Bernadette Smith is the director of Precious Life, uh, Northern Ireland's premier largest pro-life group. And Bernie will be telling us about all things pro-life in Ireland, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So Bernie's going to be joining us in part two. Uh, and then later on, towards the end of the show, I'm going to have Patrick McChrystal from Human Life International. And Patrick will be telling us about a wonderful initiative coming out of Ireland called the Men's Rosary, where every month, the first Saturday of every month, a group of men uh, go to a city or a town in Ireland, a designated town. They go on their knees and they pray the rosary in the public square. And last Saturday, we had 150, 200 men on their knees downtown Belfast praying the rosary, much to the, uh, to the uh, puzzlement of passers-by. And by the way, I did some um, Vox Pops, we call Vox Pops, which I, I'll be able to play you hopefully later on about the comments of some people going by, and some people were perplexed. One month, I said to him, uh, what do you think they're doing? He says, they're, they're having a mass. I says, no, they're praying the rosary. He says, I'm a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> he says, so it was an interesting conversation, but he was edified that men were praying in the public square. And what we were praying for, we were praying for Ireland. We were praying for the, uh, the conversion again, for the renewal of the faith in Ireland. We were praying for the protection of Ireland from all of this ideology that would really be a front to the faith of the Irish and to the morality of the Irish, that we've imported all of this junk into Ireland, but God has not forgotten about Ireland. St. Patrick has not forgotten about Ireland, and Our Lady, Our Lady of Knock, has not forgotten about Ireland. So we're going to be hearing from that from Patrick. And the beautiful thing is this, that uh, that's been going for two years. The guys, Patrick and Owen, Owen Gallagher, they got the idea from the Polish who were doing the same thing. And from Ireland, it's gone all over the world. And there are now 40 countries who have taken the lead of the Irish and the Polish. And on the first Saturday, they go into the public square in Australia, in Brazil, in, uh, even in Italy, I'm told, and in England, of course, into the public square to pray the rosary. And what a beautiful witness it is, ladies and gentlemen. So um, you might even Google it, uh, Men's Rosary Ireland, and you'll see the website there. And on there, it has, it answers the question, if I wanted to have, if I wanted to have this in my town or in my city or in my country, how do I go about it? 
And on there, you'll find resources about how, how to make it work and pitfalls, things that have been learned from the Irish and Patrick. So Patrick's going to come on, please God, if we can make a connection to him, he's up in Derry, uh, and tell us about the men's rosary. So you're not, not going to miss that. And then after the break, uh, I'm going to talk, as I say, to Bernie Smith. Bernadette Smith has been going to the Washington uh, March for Life for many years and be, would be well known to some of you and well-known to EWTN, and Bernadette's going to be telling us about the life issue in Ireland. And again, if you have any thoughts about the this dreadful inclusive language that has been that has been coming not not only into our society but into our church and into our liturgy, God forbid, um, give me a shout. And um, oh yeah, and the other just before we go to the break, the other word they have is this word accompaniment, journeying, and really translated, what it means is this: that we're going to affirm you in in you, like God loves you just the way you are, but He doesn't love you enough to take you from where you are into His kingdom. In other words, we're going to affirm you and journey with you, and just just keep you exactly as you are. That is not the gospel. The first words of the gospel, repent and believe in the gospel. See you after the break with Bernie Smith. Bernadette Smith, God bless. hour or so it's my delight to be here and Ferella told me the people I'm talking to are generally farmers out, out uh, milking the cows the postmen getting the early shift or the party goers coming back from whatever that party was but anyway uh, Paul Macquarie is my name and I'm here with my first guest here today my very good friend Bernadette Smith Bernadette is the director of Precious Life Ireland, Precious Life Northern Ireland, the premier uh, pro-life group, the largest group in Northern Ireland. Uh, Bernadette, welcome to the Crusade Channel. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you very much, Paul, for inviting me to join you today. It's my privilege. Well, and and we're right here, by the way, in uh, Stanton Healthcare, the Precious Life head HQ in Belfast. I'm actually speaking to you. So thank you for hosting this today, Bernadette. Bernadette, I've been calling you Bernie for years. And you said, Paul, my name is Bernadette. I thought if I said Bernadette, it's like your mommy when she's mad at you. She says, Bernadette. Yeah, well, but what's your real name? Well, my name is Bernadette, and I'm very proud um, of that name. I was called Bernadette after St. Bernadette. And as a child growing up, I remember my mother taking me to uh, the movie house, um, which we would have called the picture house in them days, to see the song of Bernadette. Um, and I was so excited to see that 
that movie. And then I learned as years went on what my name really meant. Um, and it's very important for me and my role as a leader in the pro-life movement to understand holy boldness because St. Bernadette um, was called Bernadette. I'm called Bernadette. And what, it me what that name means is bold as a bear. Bernie, do you not know that everybody in Belfast has a nickname? Well, <laughs> and we, we, we abbreviate our, our, all, all our names, and some of our nicknames aren't very flattering, I have to say. Well, I'm very proud because... So you should be. Yeah, and I realised, you know, after uh, years of being involved in the movement, how much holy boldness you need to be. Um, you need to be a real... Yeah, to be a pro-lifer in this uh, th these times. So, yes, so Bernadette is a very important special name. Well, Bernadette, um, I want you to give, if you would, just a brushstroke history of the pro-life movement or the pro-life cause in Ireland. Now, it, at the time that John Paul II came to Ireland in 1979, right up until uh, 2013, there wasn't one legal surgical abortion in Ireland. None. Zilch. Mm -hmm. And of course, the 1967 Abortion Act in Britain uh, has been really out of control. There's 500 babies every day, as we know, in Britain. So give us from those the good times in the sense that the Irish loved their children uh, and what happened. Yeah, well, for those who are, uh, who, who are listening, Ireland um, has always been a pro-life nation, Ireland, North and South. Um, a, Christian nation. a Christian nation and that was very important um, because the power of prayer I think showed in respect for life as well over the last number of years we've seen a deterioration of you know church um, attendance and uh, we can see the results of when people stop praying, when a nation stops praying, then something dramatic happens. And uh, May uh, 2018, there was a, a referendum held in the Irish Republic um, where the people had enough. Because yeah. there's two jurisdictions, isn't it? Yes. Well, I, I'll speak about Northern Ireland um, as well, because that happened in 2018. There was a referendum held. The government called for a referendum to, to be held on the issue of abortion. So for the first time, um, the collectively 66 uh, percent of the people of, of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, voted uh, to allow the killing of unborn children. And what happened there, we've seen the removal of what I would refer to as personhood protection. The personhood of the unborn children of Ireland was totally um, removed. Um, from then onwards, it was open warfare on the unborn children of Ireland. Now, following that, and on that particular day, there was a number, a number of politicians who then threatened Northern Ireland, which is the six counties, and the Republic of Ireland is the 26 counties. There was a major threat and went Northern out. Northern Ireland is part of the, the British UK. jurisdiction. Well, it, it, it may be complicated, sound complicated, but, you know, we, Ireland is Ireland, and as a, as, as a whole nation, we were pro-life up until 2018. We protected the most vulnerable. In 2019, following um, the threat that came from 
politicians in the south to say that the north was next. Um, the battle, the, the a fierce battle um, began and what happened then in 2019. The British government, who would be the superior government that uh, over Northern Ireland, even though we have a, an elected government at Stormont, even though we have, we have devolution, they took it upon themselves to um, capitalize, capitalize on um, a, a time when our government was in uh, suspension to vote on legislation that forced abortion on Northern Ireland. So in 2018, the Republic of Ireland voted 66% of the people, voted 33%, voted to protect the babies. But in Northern Ireland, uh, we didn't vote. We had it forced on us. Um, and now over 35,000 babies have been murdered in their mother's wombs in uh, in Ireland, north and south, since um, between 2018 and 2019 till now. And that's coming from a time in Ireland when John Paul II came. I remember he in Limerick he said, Ireland must choose, he said. Will Ireland go the way of the world, the way of abortion? And he said this, and I quote, what a victory it would be for Satan if Ireland goes the way of the world. And he said that, and everybody clapped and cheered. And it was like, of course, it's out of the question that the Irish would ever go down the road of abortion. But unfortunately, like everywhere else, very sadly in Ireland, we had in the church abuse of particularly young men and boys. And this discredited the message and the messenger. And then our, the Irish love the secular media. So we've had RTE, the national uh, broadcaster, and, this, and the BBC in the north, and it's pummeling the Irish with a godless view of the world for the last 60 years, 24-7. And then during the, the referendum in Ireland, God bless him, the Archbishop of Armagh, who's the primate of all Ireland, give instructions for all priests to speak about this issue on the run-up to the referendum. But unfortunately, many of them didn't because priests they, they, in their formation haven't been trained how to speak about these issues. Oh, they're afraid that somebody's going to, as soon as you mention a, a, a life issue or, or a morality issue, the, the, the media is pointing back at the church saying, oh, all the abuse, da, 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 da. So it's, it's been dreadful. And in Ireland, the, during that referendum, we had everything lined up against the unborn. The, the Irish government, the media, the health service, the education service, the international headquarters of Google in Ireland, uh, Soros pouring money into Ireland, all of this was lined up against the unborn. The only agency of consequence for life was the Catholic Church. And sadly, it was all but silent. And of course, the media, Bernadette, was speaking the language of faith about compassion, about we have to, to you know, uh, these poor girls were exporting our problem to England. They're getting on boats to get abortions. We're exporting our problem. Really what they meant was we're going to import the abortion industry into Ireland. And we've had this slaughter, as you said, of 35,000 to date of, of unborn children. So uh, sadly, Bernadette, that's the, the Catholic Ireland. 
Is it, am I right in saying we were the first country in the world by popular vote to vote to kill our own children? Yeah, I believe so, Paul. Um, it's unbelievable when you make something legal. Um, it becomes so freely available. And women um, who are in difficult, unexpected pregnancies just go for abortion. Yeah. Um, and that's really what's happened. But you also spoke about um, St. John Paul too. And and I remember when I formed Precious Life in 1997, you know, reading his um, speech in Denver and he called for the young people of that generation in 1997. I was one of those youth. I, I wasn't in Denver, but I was very much following um, Pope John Paul uh, II. And he said, woe to you if you do not succeed and defending life's life and he called on the youth of, of that generation to go out into the streets and trading places and spread the culture of life and part of me my calling into the movement was to go out into the streets and i became an activist in 1997 i was very inspired by um by our, the great pope the pro the greatest pro pro-life pope of this generation um to to heed his calling and as a, as a child when he did come to ireland um i wasn't in knock whenever he spoke and he spoke in limerick as well i remember following that and reading the the, the profound words that he he spoke and and now um he's he we have to believe that pope john paul is praying that we in this generation will rise up and create a new culture of life um and when you speak about what's happening now paul you know what do we do in this situation yeah. i i i think about chronicle 7 14 the awesome promise that uh, god called to it calls us to he said if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then i will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land that's a, a a hallmark passage where god is calling this nation to pray so what do we do you know in 2018 we've uh, abortion voted in in 2019 forced in northern ireland um you know it's it was a culture it was a shock to us all uh, a spiritual attack on on holy christian ireland and its people but we're rising to that challenge we are creating a culture of life by praying on the streets by actively informing people of the the horror of abortion like for example every thursday here in belfast we pray the rosary in the the city center we witness for the the against the greatest atrocity of this generation but as catholics we pray and offer that rosary up for the conversion of those women considering abortion and for those in the abortion industry so much prayer needs to be um, continued and uh, we know it's a spiritual battle that wages when um, the sacrifice of children takes place on the altars of choice um, you know so what do we do in this spiritual battle we we get out the armor of God on and we go out and fight um, spiritually by the using the weapons that God has given us but we also need to be practical in providing uh, loving care and support for those many women who um, who feel that abortion yeah, is their uh, we'll only come, choice. We'll come back to that about what <laughs> Precious Life is doing for those women and also post-abortive women yeah uh, but tell us like it's not just the legislation with regard to abortion then it starts to affect civil liberty yeah. tell us about what happened because we used to go down and and witness in front of the abortion facility in belfast what happened 
Well, there's always been a threat um, to stop the prayer and outreach at abortion centres. That's been, been going on since about 2015. There's been a few politicians who want to gag the truth and prevent people, um, activists like myself and as Paul shared there, um, going out um, and, and doing exactly what we have a right to do, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly. Um, so uh, re recently... Last year, um, legislation was passed that uh, now uh, prevents um, Catholics, Christians um, from uh, praying outside abortion facilities, reaching out to women. Um, if you do this, then you are a fined, a fine, a fine up to two and a half thousand pound. Um, we've tried to challenge it through um, human human rights, um, the, the human rights aspect of it, um, but it was taken. There was a, a, an appeal taken to the Supreme Court in the UK, and that that case um, uh, didn't transpire. It didn't uh, give us what we needed. So we are still thinking about taking it as far as the European Court of Human Rights, because our our religious freedoms are prevented. Um, we are no longer able to pray and reach out to those women. So uh, this is happening outside all the hospitals and abortion facilities in Northern Ireland. And now a bill or a legislation has been passed at one stage in the Republic of Ireland. It has to go to another stage. But um, unfortunately, it looks very likely that the whole of Ireland will have um, buffer, buffer zones, so-called safe zones, where um, the un uh, those uh, those in the pro-life movement would be unable to pray there. So um, what did we do in that case? We really prayed about it. And um, even though we can't be physically there, we can be spiritually there. So what Precious Life and Stanton Healthcare um, Northern Ireland are doing is creating safe zones for unborn children. And what do I mean by safe zones? Well, they would be places where we can invite women to come to, to um, for help and support by providing them that loving care and practical and emotional and financial support to help them to continue with their their baby. So there's an there's a new plan rolling out in the new year where we'll, we will have like satellite clinics all over Northern Ireland. So where there's an abortion center, we want to have a safe place for those women so we are fighting back and we are counteracting what actually has happened by um, creating safe places for mothers with unborn children um, but until that legislation is overturned um, we just have to do the best we can by providing care and support because women deserve that yeah. women who are now being destroyed through abortion also are coming to us for help and support so we're seeing what other countries who have had abortion legalized for like for example the the UK and the United States for for decades we're seeing the the results now of um women who have been very much hurt psychologically and physically because of um this access to abortion in Ireland yeah the abortion post abortion syndrome and yes. um, this building we're in right now in Belfast the Stanton Healthcare um, women come here, they find it online, they come and uh, maybe they, they're, they, they're abortion, uh, want, looking for abortion vulnerable, and you have a scanner here. Yeah, an ultrasound. An ultrasound, and uh, Bernadette, is it 80% is or more um, of girls when they see their unborn yeah. child? Yeah, we, could, we can... Um, 
say that 80% of the women who come here seeking abortion, if they have their scan, their ultrasound, at that right stage in the pregnancy where they can actually see their baby on the screen, they will choose life. We have a very high percentage of turnarounds. Women who are coming here are abortion vulnerable or abortion determined. Um, and when they come in here, meet with one of our advisors, have their scans, which um, the Stanton Healthcare is um, an ultrasound clinic um, that they then um, we find when you're offering them that loving help and support practical support emotional and financial support many of those women will choose life but we we do feel that the ultrasound scan is the secret weapon in um, helping to um, change a woman That's an abortion right. vulnerable woman um, and helping her to choose life so it's vitally important and that's why these satellite clinics that we're setting them up setting up over um, Northern Ireland in particular and in border border areas um, will help us um, to uh, save more unborn children yeah. and help their mothers That's right. and Bernadette in addition to that mm -hmm girls who have gone to some facility and had an abortion. There's help for those and a welcome for those young women as yes. well. Isn't that right? Yes. Bernadette, um, and, and I'm, I'm a volunteer here, and, um, and we've been going out for, for years at this abortion facility to pray, to witness. And, you know, I, you know, and several times young women would come over with their babies and saying, I went in here looking for an abortion. Someone spoke to me, give me a leaflet. Yeah. I thank you so much yeah. for mm -hmm. giving me the information, the truth about what happens to a baby. And here's my beautiful baby right yeah. here. And Bernie, we're, we're sitting in a room here with baby clothes and <laughs> baby and accessories. accessories. And for for these yeah, we're surrounded <laughs> uh, we are we are and this is a place of prayer as well yeah. and very often in ireland very sadly a lot of pro-life effort it's kind of secular as if we're going to change somebody's mind who's not a who's an atheist then maybe you change one or two but really uh, i think this is why we had abortion and voted for because people in the pew mm -hmm. thought you know oh you know um you know, I have to do something about yeah. these girls and they didn't think, like, I remember I talked to one gentleman in Knock. He says, oh, we have to we have to vote for, yes, to protect these wee, poor wee girls. I said, did you never read in Matthew 25, whatever you did to the least of these, or whatever you didn't do to the least of these, yeah. you didn't do it. To, he says, I never thought of that. No. This is the tragedy, the ignorance of Christians and Catholics yeah. in around this issue. Absolutely, Paul, um, and everything you you know you say is so true. You know, um, I think the most important thing that we do in this battle is we show up on the yeah. front line. We're there. We're available. We keep this issue on the forefront. And like Paul said, you know, there's a lot of ignorance out there that people maybe don't stop to think what abortion is about. Um, I've had street edge. I've been running street educational outreaches for 26 years in the city centres of all the towns. And combining that with prayer as a Catholic, um, what we do on Saturdays in particular, we go to Mass first, we unite in prayer, and then we go out and we inform and talk to the public um, and you have those conversations which are vitally important where where women will say you know when they see the fetal models on the table oh my goodness me that's you know the stages of development of the baby so it's like using you know the spiritual tools and the human tools sadly um 
in 2018 or prior to that in, in Ireland, people didn't realize how the spiritual consequences yeah. of um, eliminating the prayer um, from the battlefront. Um, I think it's, a, it's an important ingredient because, you know, without God, we can do nothing. But with God, everything is possible. Um, and we haven't ever given up that we can't change this culture of death that has invaded Ireland, that has forced itself on us. Um, but we are the light of the world and we must continue to be the light of truth, the light of love, the face of Christ in the public square. Um, and that's where we see miracles happening. Then we become, as Eucharistic Catholics, the hands and feet of Christ. And then we'll meet those women who then come back, share their good news story. So it's like God always shows you the fruit of your work um, if you're working very closely with him, because ultimately everything depends on God yeah. in this battle. And Bernadette, something has possessed the political parties in Ireland, the politicians, who would have been at, at a certain stage pro-life. And it seems that the great majority of them has have, have really taken all of this ideology and run with it yeah. to the point where one very prominent political party in Northern Ireland that would be uh, a pro-nationalist party and very much kind of on the heels of the 1916 uh, rising and all of that. And literally what they did, this is an Irish Republican party, Irish unity being premier with them. They went to the English, the British parliament, the English parliament to discuss with the British government to bring British law into Northern Ireland to kill Irish children. This is literally what they did. And, to import all of this ideology on people, uh, uh, Catholics, for example, here in Belfast, West Belfast is largely Catholic. People vote for this political party and they have been doing it for years because they say, oh, well, it's a, it's a, an Irish Republican party, but they're pro-life. They still vote for it because when they listen to the news, the secular news is, oh, it's all about the constitutional issues. Then the whole issue of the unborn becomes eclipsed for Catholics. They don't think about it. So what our job is, is to inform them. And one of the things is this, during the troubles in Northern Ireland that you would have heard of around the world, Protestant Catholics apparently killing one another, in those 30 years, upwards of 3,600 people died in the troubles. In less than two years in Northern Ireland, over 6,900 babies have died. And Bernadette, during that time when we were going to Mass, the prayers of the faithful every week, and Lord, we pray for peace in Ireland. And Bernadette, we hardly hear about the unborn. We hear about yeah. climate change. We hear about refugees. And this is the tragedy that this seem this issue has the unborn because they can't speak and um, we have to be their voices that people then it's out of sight out of mind and sadly you know the unborn children as you said paul haven't got a voice they can't vote and that's why it's so important that catholics and christians vote pro-life 
But living in Northern Ireland, there's the orange and the green issue that many of our listeners will be aware of. You know, this is what's happened over the years. And even good pro-lifers will vote for pro-abortion nationalist party because they are voting on the Republican issue or the unionist issue. And sadly, the unborn children are caught in the crossfire. Mm. But as you go back to the times of the troubles here, um, and there was always prayers, you know, there's prayers from the altars, the bidding prayers, um, and people were praying the rosary on the streets, um, quietly um, praying and for peace. With their Protestant neighbors. Yeah, praying together. But you know, in these days that we're living in, we have to bear in mind that peace begins in the womb, and we have we we have entered a time of peace since the Good Friday Agreement in 1998. Um, but the reality is, there can never be peace while children are dying in the womb, um, and and the peace agreement brought about uh, unity with our brothers and sisters from many from the, the the opposite traditions but now that peace can no longer be boasted about because um unborn children are dying every day um as we sit in this office we know that children are being poisoned to death death in their mother's womb and we will be going to mass now at lunchtime and sadly we won't hear in the bidden prayers um a prayer for those precious babies and their mothers that they will have the grace to choose life so you know that's what we do that's what paul and myself and others are doing we're living in uh, we're called for these times to raise the issue of the importance of our holy catholic faith and christian faith that we can change things through god but we do need our church we need our shepherds to yeah. lead us um and you know that we're we're, we're a people of faith and a people of hope so we're not giving up we're going to keep doing what we're doing and we're going to pray in that our church does become very vocal on this issue. Paul spoke in the early stages of this, of this interview. Um, for over 20 years, I've been attending the Washington March for Life in D.C. And I have to say, you know, it, it really does my heart. Um, it, you know, I come back so um, enthusiastic um, when, when you meet with the many leaders of the movement and you meet so many young people and clergy and, and bishops that are and, and others from different faiths who are speaking off the platform at, at the, uh, the March for Life um, USA and on the uh, during the actual march itself so many um groups priests leading school children taking buses hundreds of young people thousands of young people who are coming because they're led by their church that would be our uh, vision for here that we would see during the the the, the large events that we hold the, the rallies for life that we would have priests leading um, their churches, you know, organizing big events uh, or organizing um, their churches to join these events because we do have to take back this culture um, and the church, we, we are dependent on the church to lead us. So yes. it's a lot of work to do, Paul. Oh, there is part of that. But one of the things that has been greatly encouraging, I think, for us in Ireland is the, the example and the lead we have from pro-lifers in North America. Because you've had Roe versus Wade since 1973. And then miraculously, really through prayer, 
the miracle mm -hmm. of that being repealed in the United States has given us great courage here. And even Stanton Healthcare, Bernadette, if I understand it yeah. correctly, is something that we've got from our American yeah. cousins. Yeah. So we're greatly encouraged. So you need to, to keep at it in North America, yeah. and that encourages us. And to pray for, for Ireland. If you have any yeah. ounce of Irish blood in you, pray for Ireland because we need that prayer right now. Yep, and all, all and all is not lost. But yeah, absolutely, Paul, I agree. Uh, there was a, a new lease of life within the pro-life movement when we've seen the overturning yeah. of Roe. Um, and I know the battle is still fierce, um, even though the uh, legislators, the Supreme Court gave that the uh, the right to every state to make their own legislation. I know there's a real battle still waging, mm -hmm. but um, the example that we have from the United States is that where there is an abortion center facility, there is maybe five crisis pregnancy centers. So, you know, like uh, there's a, a major war taking place for those babies and we can learn from the United States um, more so than any other country in the world. So um, I, who knows, I may end up in Washington DC <laughs> in January. Uh, I say the battle here is so That's fierce. Right. I have very little time on my hands to travel for, very far, but I absolutely would be delighted to go because um, I know that the, you know, the battle isn't over. People didn't take the overturning of Roe and say, oh, that's the battle over. They're con continuing to fight for personhood, that every unborn child would be protected from the very moment of conception. And until we do that, the war is not over. We'll have battle after battle, but ultimately the war is to ensure that every unborn child his life is, is protected and respected from that very moment of conception, not from 15 weeks, not lowering the age limit yeah. at gestational stage of the pregnancy for, for babies. It's ultimately restoring personhood. And that's um, where I would take my lead as well and work with the, the personhood organizations in the United States who want full protection to every unborn child. Uh, it's womb to the tomb battle. Bernadette. If people are listening to this and they've Irish blood in them yeah. and their their heart goes out to the old country oh, sure. and they hear about the work that Precious Life Stanton is doing in saving Irish children from this tragedy and young Irish women from this tragedy, mm. if they wanted to, to help and reach out yeah. or to contribute or to pray, what would they do? Well, they could absolutely pray um, because St. Patrick once upon a time drove the snakes out. The snakes have returned. He, he said the snakes out, but he stopped at the city hall. Yeah, <laughs> he did. But, um, you know, St. Patrick is our, our patron saint. So all you with listening with Irish blood, um, help us at this time. You can contact Precious Life at preciouslife.com. You can like us on Facebook, Precious Life Ireland. You can follow us um, on Instagram. We're, we're freely accessible. Our Facebook is is, is up uh, is, um updated every day so get us at um, preciouslife.com on Facebook and uh, face Facebook sorry our website Twitter and Instagram you can get in touch with us and we'd love to hear from you but more important the most important thing is pray for us do remember remember Ireland and your rosary yeah. we pray for the Pope we pray for the virtues in our rosary remember Ireland and 
for goodness sake, would you spare a few shillings for the Irish children Absolutely. and go on to Precious Life and yeah, you'll it. see there how you can donate and how you can support. And if they're right to you, maybe you'll write back as well and say hello from the old oh, country. Sure. And maybe you'll see Bernadette in Washington at the March for Life. Bernadette, thank you so much. And for all you do, really, for, for babies, for their mothers and for our country. God bless you. Thank you so much, Paul. And for all our listeners um, on this crusade channel, I love the name because crusade is very important. Yeah. We're on a crusade to change the world, to protect lives and to bring back the holy Catholic faith. So thank you for listening to me today and God bless. Thank you, Paul, for having me on. Hey, Bernadette, God bless you. And we'll be continuing the prayer. And we'll hear, we'll hear from you again, yeah, please, God, if I have us back well. after this. I've got the Irish gift of the gab. <laughs> she does that. She does that. So God bless Bernadette. And pray for Bernadette, because as she was saying that uh, in the pro-life battle, those on the front line really, uh, you know, it's a thankless task very often. And they're accused of being, you know, anti-women, and misogynist and and uh, oh it's it's unbelievable but but equally beautiful well the other side of that being beautiful is people who come up and say what can i do or i didn't realize it was like this and uh, and come up and want to help with precious life become volunteers and of course uh, precious life is we have many of uh, Protestant brothers and sisters who are with us as well on the front line. And, uh, and it's often been said in Northern Ireland, uh, if there was a referendum in Northern Ireland, as there was in the South, the Northern Irish would never, ever have voted for abortion. And a key reason for that is because of our Protestant brothers and sisters, because they have the word of God, they read the word, and they're familiar with the word. And there's no way in the world that they would uh, vote to kill a child. Because right from the moment of conception at the visitation, the very first uh, effect that, that Jesus had on the world was when Elizabeth met Mary. And at the mere presence of Jesus as a little embryo, because remember, Mary went in haste. Jesus was just a mere embryo in the womb of the Virgin. And at the presence of Jesus, John the Baptist leapt for joy. And the beautiful words of Elizabeth, she said, Who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? So this is a, a Christmas message for us uh, coming into Advent to remember uh, our, our little brothers and sisters, the unborn. So thank you, Bernadette. And um, unfortunately, we haven't been able to connect with Patrick McChrystal, Patrick, to talk about the men's rosary in Ireland. And, and by the way, the men's rosary, which has gone all over the world. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. That, uh, and again, Google men's rosary Ireland, and you'll see how to start this in your town, in your city. And the way it works is this, that the first Saturday of the month, so there's the connection there with Fatima, that uh, men meet in the town, in the city, as we did here in, in Belfast uh, last Saturday on the 2nd of November, and kneel down in the public square with the rosary. And then very often one of a priest will lead us in the rosary. And our rosary is directed 
in the sense of intercession, because as we know, as Padre Pio says, the most powerful weapon we have is the rosary. The rosary is directed at the renewal of Ireland. The rosary is in, in reparation for the sins of men, the, the sins of omission in not leading their families, their, 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 their wives uh, uh, and their families to Jesus to uh, protect their children from all of this dreadful ideology. So uh, men are waking up in Ireland to their mission as men as uh, in their families. And it's beautiful to behold. And a lady, a lady said to me, but what about the women? What about the women? I said, the women are there. The women are there and they're saying to their husbands, get you down on your knees, son, and pray. <laughs> So the the, the the moment the women are telling their men to get down and pray, so and it's a beautiful thing uh, to behold. And um, please, God, next time we'll maybe organize ourselves, and I'll show you some footage that I took of the event. Uh, in fact, if you go to YouTube, Paul Macquarie YouTube, on my YouTube account, you'll be able to see some of that footage or uh, with my apostolate, Arc, Arc TV Ireland. You'll also see see some of it there if you can find that. And uh, just to let you know, my name's Paul Macquarie, and I'm speaking to you from Belfast, Northern Ireland, in for Farella uh, today. Who's uh, bless her? She's down with the cold or maybe a flu from the sound of her last night. And Farella will be back with you, I guess, tomorrow and for the rest of the week on the early shift. And uh, thanks be to God. So um, more about the men's rosary. Um, it's interesting that uh, passers-by, when they see these, these men praying, they're kind of taken aback. What the heck's going on? And it's, it's interesting that I've, I've interviewed, like Vox Pops, many Catholics who come along to that rosary. And they'll pray. Uh, they'll say, gee, we used to pray that when we were at home. Uh, in on, on our mother's knee, we used to pray that. And even many of them stop and join us and will pray the rosary with us. And uh, I remember there was one young woman, I, she, I said, uh, what do you make of this? She says, it's amazing. She says, I'm born again, she says. I'm from an evangelical church here. She says, but they see all those men humbling themselves on their knees and praying. And the way that that man talked about Mary, was just beautiful, just beautiful. So this is a great witness uh, to uh, our brothers and sisters. And in fact, I would say in living memory in Ireland that to, that to see that kind of witness of men praying on their knees in the public square, I think, isn't in living memory. So it's beautiful to see this uh, uh, in Ireland and going out from Ireland across the world. Across the world, men are coming together and praying the rosary for their country. It's a little bit like um, if you're familiar with the Legion of Mary. The Legion of Mary was started in Ireland by a wonderful servant of God, Frank Duff. And Frank Duff was a civil servant who was active. Like in the 1920s, he started the Legion of Mary. That has gone all over the world, the Legion of Mary. The Legion of Mary is the largest lay movement in the Catholic Church coming out of we small Ireland. And in the same way, this rosary 
the men's rosary is going all over the world. And of course, it was our Polish friends really that started it, credit where it's due. And uh, another, another movement that's coming out of Ireland is uh, Eucharistic Adoration uh, 24-7. There's a movement in Ireland called the, uh, the Eucharistic Adoration Association for Ireland. Look it up. Um, what they do is they go into parishes and they encourage Eucharistic adoration. They assure Father about, you know, the security's great because there's somebody there all the time. And it encourages people to come and pray Eucharistic adoration. And they have, uh, as part of what they do, children's Eucharistic adoration and a whole methodology. And they go into schools and then Father comes, exposes the Blessed Sacrament, the wee children are encouraged. Now, Jesus is there, really present in the Blessed Sacrament. So let's just in turn, where you want to, go up and kneel before Jesus and talk to Jesus in your heart. So it's like we're presenting our children to the Lord to let him then speak to them in their hearts. And this is so, so beautiful. And it's happening all over Ireland. So again, another light that's coming out of the sins of omission in not leading their families, their 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 their, their wives and uh, uh, their families to Jesus to uh, protect their children from all of this dreadful ideology. So uh, men are waking up in Ireland to their mission as men, as uh, in their families. And it's beautiful to behold. And a lady, a lady said to me, but what about the women? What about the women? I said, the women are there. The women are there and they're saying to their husbands, get you down on your knees, son, and pray. <laughs> so the, 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 moment the women are telling their men to get down and pray. So, and it's a beautiful thing uh, to behold. And um, please, God, next time we'll maybe organize ourselves and I'll show you some footage that I took of the event. Uh, in fact, if you go to YouTube, Paul Macquarie YouTube on my YouTube account, you'll be able to see some of that footage or uh, with my apostolate ARC TV Ireland. You'll also see, see some of it there if you can find that. And uh, just to let you know, my name's Paul Macquarie and I'm speaking to you from Belfast, Northern Ireland, in for Farella. Uh, today, who's, uh, bless her, she's down with the cold or maybe a flu from the sound of her last night. And Florella will be back with you, I guess, tomorrow and for the rest of the week on the early shift. And uh, thanks be to God. So um, more about the men's rosary. Um, it's interesting that uh, passers-by, when they see these these men praying, they're kind of taken aback. What the heck's going on? And it's it's interesting that I've I've interviewed like Vox Pops, many Catholics who come along to that rosary, and they'll pray. Uh, they'll say, "Gee, we used to pray that when we were at home, and uh, on on our mother's knee, we used to pray that." And even many of them stop and join us, and will pray the rosary with us. And uh, I remember there was one young woman. I, she, I said. Uh, what do you make of this? She says, it's amazing. She says, I'm born again, she says. I'm from an evangelical church here. She says, but to see all those men humbling themselves on their knees and praying. And the way that that man talked about Mary was just beautiful.
just beautiful. So this is a great witness uh, to uh, our brothers and sisters. And in fact, I would say in living memory in Ireland, that to, that to see that kind of witness of men praying on their knees in the public square, I think isn't in living memory. So it's beautiful to see this uh, uh, in Ireland and going out from Ireland across the world, across the world, men are coming together and praying the rosary for their country. It's a little bit like, um, if you're familiar with the Legion of Mary, the Legion of Mary was started in Ireland by a wonderful servant of God, Frank Duff. And Frank Duff was a civil servant who was active, like in the 1920s, he started the Legion of Mary. That has gone all over the world, the Legion of Mary. The Legion of Mary is the largest lay movement in the Catholic Church, coming out of we small Ireland. And in the same way, this rosary, the men's rosary, is going all over the world. And of course, it was our Polish friends, really, that started it, credit where it's due. And uh, another another movement that's coming out of Ireland is uh, Eucharistic Adoration uh, 24-7. There's a movement in Ireland called the, uh, the Eucharistic Adoration Association for Ireland. Look it up. Um, what they do is they go into parishes and they encourage Eucharistic Adoration. They assure Father about, you know, the security is great because there's somebody there all the time. And it encourages people to come and pray Eucharistic Adoration. And they have, uh, as part of what they do, children's Eucharistic Adoration and a whole methodology. And they go into schools and then Father comes, exposes the Blessed Sacrament. The wee children are encouraged. Now, Jesus is there, really present in the Blessed Sacrament. So let's just in turn, where you want to, go up and kneel before Jesus and talk to Jesus in your heart. So it's like we're presenting our children to the Lord to let him then speak to them in their hearts. And this is so, so beautiful. And it's happening all over Ireland. So again, another light that's coming out of Ireland that's being exported around the world. And uh, so, and it's absolutely beautiful to behold. So, and if you wanted to hear more about that, or learn more about that and how you could maybe get a talk in your parish or your city with regard to Eucharistic Adoration, you can find that. Just Google it, Eucharistic Adoration Ireland Association, and you can you can learn all about that. So um, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to spend this time with you Paul. From, the, from Ireland. Hello, Mick Church. How are you? Well, hello, my Irish friend, Paul Macaray. What a great guest Bernadette was. Isn't she wonderful? She is. She's great. She's God's secret weapon here in Belfast, let me tell you. If she comes to the pro-life march, we're going to have to draft her and uh, get her a plane ticket to come down here to see us in Louisiana. Well, I'll tell you what, it would be well worthwhile. Bernie is just a, a, a firebrand. She's, she's wonderful. And she's saved so, so many babies. Someday, when Ireland comes back to its senses, I think they're going to have a statue to this girl in Belfast, or Bernadette, or our Bernie, <laughs> as we call her. She'll be the Irish St. Bernadette. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, it's, and she is. And she, the, the lovely thing about Bernadette is she's gorgeous. She used to be a beautician. And very often when they when they have her maybe on the BBC, they'll have Bernadette looking gorgeous, and then they'll have the feminist, the old feminist. The <laughs> angry, ugly hag. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's like that. 
And, um, and it's interesting, you might be a little bit like me, uh, Michael, that um, at this time of year, people, young children look at us and say, Mommy, is that Santa Claus? <laughs> no, no, I'm because not, I'm I've not. seen photographs of you, <laughs> sir, and and uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't go amiss at uh, at playing Santa Claus and dressing up in a red suit like myself. No, I'm not. Uh, I, I'm not. Have you ever done it? No, no, I'm not. You know what? Back in 1999 or somewhere up in there, a neighbor of uh -huh. mine wanted to surprise his his son. Uh, who was a, who was falling away from the Santa Claus train, and so uh -huh. he had gotten a suit, uh, the red suit and the and the hat and the beard and the whole thing and the boots, and he comes knocking on my door at like ten o'clock on Christmas Eve. I'm like I'm like uh, Paul. His name was Paul. It's like Paul. Yeah. What are you? What's up, bro? He goes, man, I, I was gonna do it, but you know, uh, what was his name? His wife's name, Melanie, or something. In fact, she's like Melanie is convinced though that if I do it, he's gonna know it's me. He said, so yeah. would you put the suit on, and then uh -huh. just just come into the house? I'll give you the bag with the presents. I'm gonna we're gonna wake Nicholas up. His name was Nicholas. We're gonna wake Nicholas up, and we're gonna <laughs> tell him that hey, I think we heard something downstairs, and then all you're gonna do is take the uh, the the present out of the bag. Put it under the tree and say ho ho ho, and then go out the door. <laughs> yeah, so I did Bless it. Him. Well done, you see. And this, uh, I, I, I may, I may not mistake. Is this the feast of Saint Nicholas? I think it is today. I think I heard that it earlier on. It is the feast on. of Saint Nicholas uh, yeah. of Bira. Oh, is that not the, is oh, that Bari, not the real Bari. Santa Claus? Well, no, it's the same one. It's uh, he's also known as the Archbishop of Mira. Yes, yes, yes. And I think he punched some guys out in, in one of the uh, <laughs> at, at, at one of the the church's early gatherings. It was, he was well, you were mentioning the Nicene Creed earlier. Was it the Council that's right. of Nicaea? That's right. That's right. That's right. And I'll tell you what. Um, one time, I was asked to to dress up as Santa Claus for these Down syndrome <laughs> children. You know, so I went in and the ho ho ho, and, and this little lad sat on my knee, and he looked into my face, and he pulled my beard. <laughs> and of course, I have a beard. He says, "He says it's the real Santa. It's the real Santa." <laughs> so it was, it was amazing. And I'll tell you a true story. This is a true story. When I was a wee lad, and I was six, seven years old, and I went to school, and my friend says, "There is no Santa Claus." I says, "Look, my mum and dad tell me that there's a real Santa Claus. Don't you be telling me that." So we made, we made it. We decided we go and ask the teacher, Mister Lamb. So we're standing in front of him, and my mate says, would you tell him that there is no Santa Claus? I says, sir, there's a Santa Claus. And he looked at both of us, and he says, of course there's a Santa Claus. And my friend, his mouth just dropped open. So there I had it from my teacher. There is a Santa Claus, as we know, <laughs> Michael. There is a real, there's a lot of helpers. There's a lot of guys that dress up and help him. Oh, but there yes. is only one Santa Claus, St. Nicholas, as we know. I used to play. Uh, I used to play a Santa's elf. <laughs> so people, I in the can't chat imagine room, you as a, as, a, as a Santa's elf. I have to say, okay, from the photographs I've seen of you. People in the chat room want to know if you have slapped an actual heretic lately. As <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few heretics I'd like to slap. I have to say. Okay, before you go, um, a great job filling in for Fiorello today. Uh, wonderful uh, to hear those Irish voices and to hear that all hope is not lost in uh, in everyone's beloved Ireland. Um, yes. It was all over social media this weekend, Paul. I saw it. 
um, dozens and dozens and dozens of people were uh, publishing photographs that they have taken um, of this prayer rally that you were talking about going on uh, in downtown Nub- uh, Dublin. And yeah. it was an amazing thing to see all of those Irish men. There were hundreds of them. Yeah. Almost like the uh, like uh, like the the square comes to almost uh, uh, it's a cross of streets, right, with a yeah. circle in the center, and it looked as though that uh, at least two of the wings, the uh, the south and the east wing of the cross, were filled with Irish men who were on their knees on cobblestone yeah. praying yeah. the rosary. That's a sight, bro. It is. It's extraordinary. And people are flabbergasted to see this because, as we know, very often Catholic men are kind of uh, sort of not seen and not heard when it comes to <laughs> the faith and mass. So here they are, you know, humbling themselves or even humiliating themselves and kneeling in the public square. It's a beautiful witness, Michael. Now, really I is. didn't see a lot of priests. Well, unfortunately, um, a lot of priests, well, we have to say, you know, obviously this time they're very busy. But priests are shy to come out very often in the public square because the the media have been just merciless with regard to the church in Ireland. And, you know, not without reason. And so, um, you know, as a, if a young fellow wants to be a priest, it's like his parents or his friends might say, what do you want to do that for? Mm. Where it used to be that every family in Ireland had an uncle or aunt or brother and sister, a priest or religious, and were very proud of it. So the young fellows who become priests now are really true Christians in the sense that, that, that it's not some easy station of going and and uh, having a nice parish and it's tough and it's proclaiming the gospel very often in a hostile environment yes. so we need to pray for our priests but we need to invite them as you say to come along and we had actually uh, a priest from uh, the Christ the King priest mm. who came down and led a decade of the rosary with us in Belfast on Saturday. God bless him. A, a canon lapel from Quebec. Well, no, so. uh, you know, one of uh, uh, the things that your hostess is doing, and you may or may not know this, uh, but mm-hmm. Fiorella wrote a book uh, and the primary char- about World War One, and the primary character in the book is Father Willie Doyle. Oh, yes, yes. And, of course, Father Willie she Doyle. She wrote a book about that. I didn't know she well, wrote she a book. Well, she wrote a book about World War One for children, and she okay, made Father sure. Willie Doyle one of the central characters. Yeah. Um, uh, but Father Willie Doyle is up for canonization, and it wasn't because he was a sissy lad. It was because, you know, Father Willie Doyle um, had a wonderful mission and apostolate in Ireland, but when he was called to go serve Irish boys on the front lines on the Manginero yeah. line, he didn't hesitate, and he went, and he stayed until he died. Um, uh, so we're all praying for the canonization of Father Willie Doyle. What a great example. What, you know what? It'd come along at a great time, wouldn't it, to have a priest, a brave, heroic priest like that, yeah. canonized for the Irish, uh, for the, uh, the, uh, um, uh, the Irish, the comeback of the Irish Catholic. Amen. And, and, you know, Father Willie Doyle, he died when he was ministering to soldiers in, in, in that no man's land but right. in, in the battleground. And he was a grenade, you know, blew him to smithereens. We don't even have his remains. And it was very interesting in Belfast at the time, uh, the newspapers were filled with with uh, praise of Father Willie Doyle, not least from Orangemen. 
the orange men, the Protestant militant Protestants, knew that Willie Doyle was no favor of of what religion you were. If you were dying, you needed minister. He was there with you. Um, that was rare for a Catholic priest yes. to be to be uh, praised by uh, Protestant orange men. So that was Father Willie Doyle, a true Irishman. And as you say, we need we need them to be canonized, and we haven't had a canonization in Ireland for a while, but. But Willie Doyle would be that man. He really would. Wow. And, you know, an interesting thing about him was that when he was in seminary, he was a nervous young fella. In fact, had a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and uh, so he was kind of frail and weak, like like a lot of us are. Mm-hmm. But God did something in that young man that uh, that gave him that, that steel of faith that he was able to do what he did, you know. God bless him. Well, God bless you, Paul Macri, and thanks for filling in for Fiorella. Everyone enjoyed it. What a great, uh, what a, what a great show to have it live from Belfast, Ireland. What a great day, brother. Yeah, I'm delighted to do it. At any time, sure, give me a shout, and uh, we'll absolutely, let you know what's going on in the old in the old sod here. Okay, absolutely. well, I'll let you sign off in your own way, and you and I will talk soon. Bless your heart. Okay, okay. Thanks a lot, Mike, and um, thank you all for listening to us. And uh, please, God, I'll catch you again. And uh, if you're ever in Ireland, come to uh, Stanton Healthcare, Precious Life, knock the door, the kettle's on, you'll come on in for a wee cup of tea. We might even sing you a song or two. And we might even fleece you for a few wee donations there for uh, for Ireland. I don't know why they're playing that British military music in the background. But anyway, we'll forgive Mike for that and uh, next time we'll play a good Irish song instead. So God bless you all and uh, happy Christmas from all of us here in Ireland. Glory be to God.